What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 140. I am your host, Matt Hennifan. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, this Nevada men's basketball team has been very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's been a roller coaster ride. Um, Nevada's played six conference series this year. Five, the last five of them have been either they've been swept or they've been getting swept. And it's like an alternating pattern. Like, first time they swept, second time they didn't sweep, third time they swept, second or fourth time they got swept, and then the fifth time this last weekend against the team down south, the UNLV Rebels, running Rebels. Is it UNLV Rebels or running Rebels? Well, they certainly weren't running yeah, these yeah. past couple games. So, <laughs> um, could just stick with Rebels for now. Okay. The UNLV Rebels, Nevada swept them. Nevada also has an excruciatingly tough schedule coming up. Uh, they have Boise State, who's the top team in the conference this next weekend. They have Colorado State in three weeks, and then, at, or they have Colorado State at home in three weeks. And then they have Utah State to end the season on the road. So those are three of the top four teams in the Mountain West. Nevada's already played one of them in San Diego State, who they barely got swept by. It was competitive for the 40 minutes in both of those games. But this is the biggest test that Nevada has this year. But before we get into all of that jazz, Nevada women's basketball. Uh, they split the season, or they, yeah, they split the season series against UNLV this weekend. Deja Hamilton absolutely went bananas in the second game. She finished with 32 points, her first 30-point game of her career. I believe scored the team's final 12 points, had the game winner, wing three to win the game, 73-70. to 70. She just went nuts. And that was after Nia Johnson had 28 points for UNLV in both those two games. And so, like... Back and forth. It yeah. was so enticing it was, to see. They were both close games. Nevada lost and the first game 62-57. to 57. They won the second game 73-70. to 70. It was just a tight... Tight-knit contest throughout. Tight-knit contest. And just kind of honing in on that second game. I know we've been talking about Hamilton's presence from three-point range. and expanding. She's been our best three-point shooter this year. She has been... I mean, just that second, the first and second game, because it's clear to mention in the first game as well. I mean, it's another one with 19 points. The first game shot well from three in both, and especially in that second game. I mean, she was just going off from three. It was so freaking, it was just absolutely crazy to see. She's looking so confident, and at this point, I think she's embraced the role as not only the team's go-to scorer, but the team's leader on the floor. And it's so important to see that, so just... Being more confident, being more aggressive, it's what's putting this team in better positions to win. She had a half-court buzzer beater along with that. I would love to find a stat for the last person to hit a half-court buzzer beater and a game-winning buzzer beater in the same game. That'd be cool to see if, I mean, I don't think there's a, I hope there, if someone, if someone finds a database with those two statistics, just DM us and send it to us. That's some, um, that's that was very impressive. Yes, I mean that is that is some crazy stuff if you think about it. Like I can only think of like Steph Curry, but even then, I don't think in the same game. I don't even know. And that's that's Jared a Jack. Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the, uh, I still love that meme of him when he was. I, was he on the Knicks at that time? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was he not a warrior. Throws it. <laughs> Get close. Um. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, I mean, those two games between UNLV were just so tight-knit. And I know even for a series split, UNLV is a pretty darn good women's basketball team. So just to kind of come out with that win and Deja Hamilton putting the team on her back in that second game was so good to see. And, you know, 
just complete domination on her end. So Nia Alexander also chipped in with 13 points in that second game. So we're getting more well-balanced scoring, but that was the Deja Hamilton show. She just was absolutely electric. Crazy to see. Yeah, 12 of 23 from the field. Or, yeah, 12 of 23 from the field. 4 of 7 from deep. Nevada shot 8 of 18 from downtown as a team. One of their better uh, three-point shooting performances this year, considering we've been kind of in that low 30s, high 20s range. And so it was a, it was a good effort. And glad that Nevada was able to close that out. Again, Hamilton, I think, had the team's final 12 points in the last several minutes of the game. So it was just a – I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. Oh, definitely. No, just – why? I mean, towards the tail end of this season, just a cherry on top at this point of what's been a tremendous season for Deja Hamilton. She had a lot put on her shoulders offensively, and she's answered the bell in so many ways. And just props. Major, major props and respect to Deja Hamilton. She just was simply spectacular. Couldn't, I mean, I can't even describe it any other way. It was awesome. Yeah, and that came after a rough shooting performance as a team in the first game. Nevada shot 31% from the floor in the first game. They did shoot 38% from deep, but Hamilton was the only double-digit scorer in that first game. LaPration Johnson had eight points. Amaya West had seven points on 2 of 11 shooting. But she did get nine rebounds, so there was a contribution there. But it was just an overall rough effort for the Wolfpack offensively in the first game but listen they they made up for it in the second game oh definitely and you know what you're starting to see better percentages and just better outcomes from three-point range you saw kind of like throughout the year that Nevada's had trouble generating points especially from three-point range so keeping that up is going to be crucial towards this tail end of the year and just kind of closing the season on a high note considering the circumstances and what this team's been through this year it's just been you know kind of a seeing it through an optimistic lens is kind of helping at this point. Yeah, there was, towards the end of the first game, Nevada had a chance to, I believe, tie it. And Delaney Thomas, who had six blocks, just said no. Um, I think she rejected the final, or one of Nevada's final possessions, or just shots on the final possession. Um, almost looked like a foul when I was watching it, but it wasn't called, nothing was called, even though we closed it out, so... This is a this is a this is a step for Nevada. Um, UNLV was, I think, believe seven and six heading into this game. They were five and three in conference. Nevada was three and five in conference, and now Nevada's four and six. So, as the season comes to its, as we're approaching the tail end of this season, we could begin to see this team grow more. Because I mean, as we've talked about this year, this women's team is a young team like the men's, with a lot of new transfers and a lot of new pieces. And there's been there's been glimpses this year of this team coming together but hopefully we're able to see that growth as this year concludes oh definitely i mean and just seeing more and more players step up in that role and seeing more players get more time on the floor at this point is kind of a stepping point in the right direction you know so seeing the growth from this team has been very intriguing and having a player like hamilton in her sophomore year taking that offensive leap in just her second season has been huge and that's something to really tip your cap to Levins and the rest of the coaching staff and something to really rely on. And you know you can have a bona fide scorer at all three levels of the floor coming into next season. Not a lot of teams can say that. So no matter what, that can be a you know a turning point for this program as a whole heading into next season. Yeah, I agree. Now let's get into men's basketball, men's basketball for the eighth straight time. Not one. Not two, 
not three, but an eighth straight time, a program best eighth straight time down UNLV. The first game was a destruction, a 29-point victory. Uh, Nevada won 89-60, and then the second game was a lot closer, a lot more competitive, um, but Nevada, behind a 19-4 run to end the game, came out on top 72-62. to What was your... I want to say biggest takeaway from this series because I mean there's a lot to go through and UNLV was without Bryce Hamilton that certainly had an impact on both their games UNLV had a hard time generating offense for for the most part in those two games especially in the first game but or there was still some to be desired in the second game and so I want to get your thought what is what was your biggest takeaway from these two games against UNLV just I think we're starting to see this young team really come together and in different aspects, I would say in the first, as you said, kind of a complete destruction, just being a cohesive offensive unit all 40 minutes. You didn't see much lapses in offensive production. And in the second game, you saw kind of the opposite in a way because you saw Nevada miss its first nine threes in the second game, as I'm talking about. And you see them kind of claw their way back into this game. And finally, as we've talked about throughout this podcast is, can this team be able to close? And can this team be able to close without a player like Grant Sherfield absolutely dominating each possession and feeling like he has to do it by himself? And as we get into on this podcast, that player was Zane Meeks. And congratulations to Zane Meeks, who absolutely took over the final stretch in the second game and clinched another series sweep over our brothers down south. So the biggest takeaway is just seeing some of those young, this young team really come together in different circumstances in both of those games. And it was just... So heartwarming in a way to see. Finally, we're starting to see at this point what this team is truly capable of. And I don't think this team has reached its ceilings by any means. I think there's a lot of juice left in this program. And I think finally we're starting to see more pieces of the puzzle really start to play up to their potential and know their role on this team. So that was my biggest takeaway from it. Okay. It was... Yeah, as we did talk about, I mean, you look at it from an outsider's perspective and it's like, oh, they won by double digits. What do you mean closing the game? Nevada was down 58-53 with under six minutes left. Okay, Nick Blake had that ridiculous three in the corner at the end of the shot clock to, to put them up five. And then Nevada was trying to like kind of claw their way back. Grant had some terrific and one finishes. He had a three. Zane was hitting shots from deep and from the free throw line when in when it mattered most essentially and he and grant combined for 17 of the team's 19 points down that stretch and so as you talked about zane did a really good job there and this was he had a career high 19 points in that second game coming off the bench and we'll get into the start the new and i don't i'm not even going to say improve but the new starting lineup in just a moment but yeah we have kind of harped about harped on it and i can't use the oh nevada's within five points record um, which i believe were one and four in that category and i don't think nevada's had a single digit win over the conference opponents all year but it is yeah this it was good to see this team like close the game out um with no with very little fans like 50 people and and just trying to like fabricate their own energy after just being in a hard-fought competitive first game after um, an electric first game. I would say my biggest takeaway is I want to say I'm gonna go I'm gonna go this route. 
he didn't get a lot of I don't want to say talk at the end of the game because of what Zane and Grant did, but he was a big contributor to why Nevada competed in the second half, was Warren Washington. He was ter- he was terrific to begin that second half. Huge. Huge impact in that second half. Spark plug. He's been, his last 12, or his last six games, he's averaging about 13 points a game, close to seven rebounds a game. And it seems like when he's not in foul trouble, he's, He's playing the best basketball he's ever played in his life. Completely agree with that statement. Completely. And, and, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like you can see, it may not show in the box score as much as it should, but you can see the development. Um, he was a huge reason why him attacking the paint, him getting to the free throw line, um, he was mauling teams on the glass, or he, he mauled them in the glass in the second half. He had a few offensive rebounds for putbacks. He had, he had six rebounds in I believe the first game against Wyoming and then five offensive rebounds the second game against like so he's like he's he's been really active in that department and I just think we're seeing more growth from him as the season goes on I mean the only thing that's holding him back is the foul trouble that'll um that's a game by game thing hopefully that could limit itself a little bit and we've talked about ad nauseum this year about how Nevada has in the front court has been plagued with foul trouble but um Warren has been uh, tremendous and real reason why Nevada's offense was able to get going. Because, I mean, it was a slow start for both teams in that second half. Um, His or a slower start, yeah. at least compared to anything that we saw in the first game. But his production, I mean, I think he had seven of the team's first 11 points in that second half. And so he was, he was, he was really productive with him feeding the ball down low. Um, again, his putbacks. He's just been finding a way to contribute in all aspects of the game, and he has a really he's getting he he's becoming more comfortable in the post. He has a really nice touch, either it's off the glass or not. Um, he's getting more confidence in that, and it's it's really it's been really fun to see his development over this year, and it really showed in the beginning of that second half of that second game. Definitely, and I think one of the things you're starting to see is he's becoming a little more assertive, right? In this, as you kind of talked about, in this offense as a whole, and we need his presence down low because he has so many abilities with his post moves he's got a soft touch around the basket and as he's more assertive and kind of includes himself into this offense it gives us a whole new element so just like you said I'm glad you kind of gave him some props and one of your biggest takeaways was his production because he's been performing he has been tremendous in so many ways and whether it's attacking the glass and I'm going to give him another shout out on both ends of the floor just being aggressive and being that kind of stalwart we need down low if he continues that, I mean, we will become a very well-rounded offensive unit with how many shooters we have on the perimeter. So his presence down low should not go unnoticed, and especially against UNLV, he was a huge spark plug for us in that second half of the second game. So good observation and good takeaway on your part. Yeah, he finished with 15 points, 14 coming in that second half on 5-7 of seven shooting <clears throat> with six rebounds and a block. And... Speaking of blocks, there's there it, we need to have a discussion here. It's time to recognize how it, I don't even I don't even know if it's just this game, but KJ Himes as a rim protector has been has been really good. I mean, there was a couple times where like uh, Zhang tried to like go up like on like a post hook and. There was one, there was one time specifically where he just like snatched it. He didn't block. He just like took it from his hands. NBA it was like, street what? style. It was like wait, 
All right. <laughs> KJ Himes is lanky. Yeah, he's, he's lanky and he's and he's he's straight up. I was gonna say he's, he's finally not, he's, he's straight up. He's finally defending without fouling. And once he sticks to the fundamentals, I like it's night and day from what he's seen last year. And I think heading back into last year, I thought you saw the potential of him becoming that right. defensive force and right. shot blocker he can become. But it's the fouls. We didn't see we saw like these bursts of him for such short minutes and then here comes two or three fouls. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Now he's out of the game. This year is completely different in so many aspects. Not saying he's he's still been in the foul sheet in, in some points, especially early on in the year, but as he's found his footing throughout this season, you're seeing him become I I I I'm not trying to say an elite rim protector, but he's just No, be- he's not elite, but he's but becoming he's, he's there's he's you can becoming, see the improvement. Like he's you're seeing this improvement season by season and sometimes you're seeing it game by game. He is not afraid to go up and challenge and contest any shot. And as he, you know, like as he sticks to the fundamentals and defends without fouling, the more we have him on the floor is just, I think it helps us in so many ways. And you're seeing his offensive game develop too. He had a career high 16 points, right, in the first game. Yeah. I mean, you get that type of production from him on both ends of the floor. That's something we kind of horn, like honed in on a little bit during the preseason was just how special he can be because he has a lot of talent. He's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of tools and abilities on both ends and I think we're starting to see that come together especially though defensively I mean (laughs) a menace a menace with his shot blocking ability yeah he had four blocks in the second game he is third in the conference in blocks this year with 21 I know some of that's diluted just because of how many games Nevada's played compared to the other teams but he's also sixth in blocks per game at 1.1 at the time of this recording that could change as the like games continue and days go on but He's been he's been really good as a shot blocker, and, it's just, and that's another thing. It's just fun to see that development uh, from a player like him, as you mentioned, who struggled with foul trouble last year. Like he he averaged like six fouls per forty minutes last year. Yeah, no, or no, no, no. It was like nine. Yeah, I was gonna say it could be even more. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 looking it up right now. But um, in the meantime, while you're looking that up, I just think. You see, he has a ton of energy, he and, he's st- a- and he and he still fouls a lot. Yeah, we're, we're but not he, to- he's not. He's it's it, he's improving. Yeah, it's not as like blatant anymore, and you're starting to see him really stick to the fundamentals. And got to give credit to the coaching staff for really kind of honing in on that aspect of his game and calming him down in aspects because, in so many ways, he's a spark plug. He is just a, you know he. He's just an energy. He brings so much energy on both ends of the floor that sometimes he may have trouble containing it at times and, you know, occasionally have that slip up defensively or a bad foul on that end. But you're starting to see him kind of really collect himself in moments, and that's translating to more productive minutes on the floor. And you're starting to see both his offensive and defensive growth really take place this season. So really excited to see just how well this continues. He's averaging, he averaged 9.4 fouls per 40 minutes. <laughs> My gosh. Also, why are we using the per, per 40 minutes like statistic? Because I at least like the NBA uses per 36, and that's three fourths of the game. So I'd, I'd probably use no one's going to play a full 40 minutes, or not at least not a lot of players are. Um, so let's. Let's use the trim uh, it down to like thirty. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, just do the three fours per thirty minutes. But still, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, still. But you're starting to see that improvement and growth. Seven point six this year. Hashtag progress. Hashtag trend it. And he's still, still impressive on, 
on what he's been able to do defensively this season. And I really think that's just going to continue to decrease as he really hones in on that side of the floor because he has the ability to do so. Yeah, and one thing, uh, something else I want to hit on, Daniel Foster started today or this weekend. Uh, um, Yeah. Not today. I was going to say, huh? But um, no, I was going to ask you that same question. Did that surprise you? Yeah. Another true freshman slotted into the starting lineup. I wish the starting lineups were announced a little earlier so I could have time to like... Breathe. Yeah, take it in because they because they announce the starting lineups like like right before tip off and it's like wait what like I'm sitting on my couch uh kicking back with my laptop like like of course like watching the game and everything and they're like oh yeah they they put the starting lineups on TV and I kind of I didn't have uh I was I was getting on the Twitter to post the starting lineups or to see if the starting lineups were posted and. They're like, oh yeah, like they showed the starting lineups in CBS and or no, it was on Fox and they were like, Daniel Foster. I was like, and I had to like, like almost like, wait, what? Yeah, and do I mean, a double, I, do a double take. Nothing, and nothing not, against he, Daniel Foster. Yeah, nothing like, against Daniel Foster. But I was like, all right, Zane's healthy. You would think that Zane would start because he's been the starting forward almost all year when he's been healthy, and so that just kind of took me by surprise. But I don't, I'm not. I don't hate Zane coming off the bench and adding like a scoring punch to that second unit, but it was just like a surprise to me. And I mean, just again, referring back to the podcast that never was, he talked about how many minutes per game Daniel Foster would get. We said five to 10. Not anymore. No. <laughs> and you, you know what? Just credit to him. I credit Alfred for thrusting another young player in that starting lineup, getting some, especially for Daniel Foster, who you know, didn't have the chance to play and really get his feet under him this season. So getting him those minutes at this tail end of the point of the year before tournament play begins, I think that's a smart kind of aspect to take. I just think, is he going to be ready for it? Is he? But, like, can you accelerate someone's... You I mean, he offered almost, like, threw him in the fire. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean... I mean, I, I, I mean, you can continue going forward. He wasn't fat or anything, but it, I just, it caught me by surprise. Like, I just, I don't know if that's the smartest thing. But hey, Steve Alford is way smarter than, than I am, so don't listen to really anything I say. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, don't same listen, here. don't listen to anything I say. You're, you're talking to someone who said Nevada football is going to go four and four this year. I mean, but that's hindsight. Still. I'm just saying in general for me, don't listen to anything I say. I'm not 100% agree. We should start every podcast with that. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pack Center podcast. Don't listen to anything. <laughs> yeah, dude. From this point on, disregard anything I say. Um, but Foster had 22 minutes in the first game, 20 minutes in the second game. It's been He's averaging 18 minutes a game this year. It was just – it's very surprising, and he hasn't been bad. I mean, it's kind of like – kind of almost that small ball approach. You can stretch the floor a little bit. It was kind of like what kind of like what Trey had beginning in this year. I mean, they weren't asking him to do a whole lot. I mean, I know Trey had 13 points in his first career game, but we're not. I don't think anyone's asking Foster to provide that at all. Um, he's getting rebounds. He's battling defensively. That's something I've noticed. Playing hard. Yeah, he's playing hard. And so. It's been. It's. I'm. I'm gonna keep my eye on it because that was a very interesting like twist. Maybe that was because Moses Wood was playing the four, and so maybe just give that quicker, that quicker kind of 
yeah, body aspect. in there at the fourth spot. But then again, big size disadvantage. Well, there. not super. I mean, Daniel Foster six six, Moses is six eight, but like Moses isn't the quickest guy, anyways. Uh, also, like. Actually, no, I think Trey would be the four in that scenario. Anyways, yeah, I, I mean, say, it's interchangeable. Yeah. It really doesn't, like, matter in that department. But I, th- I just thought it was interesting going with the smaller body there yeah, instead definitely. of Zane. But, hey, I don't hate it. If that's the way Alfred's going to do it going forward, um, by all means. Um, Trey's, he didn't have the best shooting uh, weekend, but he still, it's, he still's being more aggressive because there was that stretch towards the end of conference or the end of non-conference play and the beginning of conference play that we talked about that he just didn't have a basket and he's still becoming he, it, it's fun to see him be more aggressive and he's also still been very good defensively um oh keep definitely it, keeping that up do you think he guards Derek Olson this weekend yes yes i and if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago i may have had questions not anymore. I mean, Trey Coleman is able to guard Derek Alston. He's able to guard like one through four at this point. Very versatile. I, I know we haven't really seen him guard many fours this year, but just what he's been able to do defensively on the perimeter has been awesome. And I have no hesitation putting him on him. Do you think Alford change? I mean, it may you, it may change, but do you think Alford is going to change his starting line? Here's here's my gut instinct. I mean, they're not gut instinct. This is just like a wild, like kind of prediction. That's that kind of can talk myself into. What if he starts Robbie? Robbie rebound. <laughs> what a freaking curveball that would be. Yeah, it's it's because it might be a matchup on matchup basis if we talked about the starting. Yeah, line. I mean, we you know we like a game by game basis. Although Zane. Has I was been, gonna say Zane's been crashing the boards too. So Zane leads the team in rebounding. Like. I, <laughs> <laughs> you may see Zane Meeks inserted into the starting lineup, but at the same time, that's again scoring production off the bench. Off the bench. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Yep. But I, I just know. wonder how Alfred this has a lot of tools him. at his disposal. I'm excited yeah. to see how he. I think he's going to put together the right concoction. Yeah, uh, that's a word. I don't know day. why. Is, I, I, you know, that, that, I haven't heard that word in ever. That shouldn't ages. be related to basketball, but for for some reason, I was thinking of like an Erlenmeyer flask going back to AP Cam and blah, 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 <laughs> all this stupid stuff going on in there. So. And you know, we also like didn't even talk about Nevada's electric shooting performance in the first game. <laughs> Nevada shot. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was not a huge fan of chemistry in high school. Um, Mrs. Fitzpatrick, if you're listening to this, please forget I ever said that. Just uh, gives, it, gives us a zero star rating on Apple Play, Apple Podcast. Yeah, uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, <laughs> zero stars from your freaking high school. <laughs> Oh, I loved her, but she was. It, yeah, I didn't just didn't like the class. Instantly improved a five star rating. Yeah, she was an awesome teacher. But she didn't like the class. Five star. <laughs> um, uh, what was like? Oh yeah, not a basketball. The first game. <laughs> the first game, Nevada shot fifty six percent from the field, fifty eight percent from the three point line. Nevada just couldn't miss in the first half. Made their first eight of 12 threes. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, and then uh, they shot 63% in the first half, which was, it tied the school record. Nevada shot, we didn't even talk, Nevada shot 63% in the second half of the second game, which they tied the best half of the season. 
So. I mean, this team's really coming together, especially offensively. It's scary to see. A little bit inconsistent, but yeah. Yeah, a little. But finally, we're starting to see just how many capable scores there are. Starting to see glimpses of it, and obviously with Grant and Dez, you got those two, and now you're starting to see sprinkles more of Zane, some more Kane, Warren. It's just, it's all coming together at the perfect time towards the tail end of this season, and we're going to need that heading into these next stretch of games, as you mentioned previously. Toughest, toughest part of the schedule by far. It's loaded with competition. Yeah. Yeah, and this offense, I mean, hashtag math, but this offense is a lot better when they're making shots. When it does, when they're not making shots, it's a little bit. It's a little bit harder. Yeah, it, well, it's more it's more stagnant. We almost sometimes try to shoot ourselves out of the mistakes um, instead of attacking the rim or getting a better shot. But uh, yeah, Nevada's approaching their toughest part of their schedule this weekend. Home against Boise State closes out the only four game home stand that we have this season. We have uh, Colorado State in three weeks. San Jose State. We have San Jose State next week on the road. We're home against Colorado State in three weeks, and then we have we finish off the season on the road against Utah State. That's a tough schedule. Nevada is zero and three in quad one and quad two games this season, with the two losses to San Diego State and the one loss to Grand Canyon. We are one and nine. We were one and nine last year, so we're one and twelve in quad one or quad two games. This is a big test because Colorado State, Boise State, and Utah State are all quad one or quad two teams. This is a this is a huge test for Nevada. Oh, definitely. And this is a, it, we've kind of we we kind of like brushed over the fact that these wins over Fresno State, New Mexico, and UNLV. I mean, UNLV is probably the best of those bunch, but. They haven't been like great wins, and then of course we struggled against Wyoming, who Nevada objectively this year has been probably better than, but we didn't play well in the altitude. And I mean, we also played well against San Diego State too, but our wins haven't come against the best teams in the in the conference. And this is just a this is just a huge test for this group, and I wonder how they compete and how they respond. I mean, only time is going to tell, but. To close out the season well and to secure that top five spot in the conference, you're going to have to win some of these games. And <laughs> as we talked about again, they're going to have to close games because I mean, if they, they're not going to blow these teams out, I don't think. No, oh no, I don't see that by any means. So you're going to have to find a way to scrap and claw against these super experienced teams. I mean, Boise State's—that's the deepest team Leon Rice has had probably in his entire collegiate coaching career, uh, with Derek Alston, Audrey job max rice his son um and just a flurry of other players this is a very good boise state team i wonder how they respond oh yeah marcus schaefer too. I was, okay i was gonna throw in schaefer but yeah this that boise state team is loaded you know headlined by a potential mountain west player of the year candidate yeah it's gonna be the battle between two mountain west players of the year and grant sherfield and Derek Alston. i wonder who comes also. out on top i mean this is a, this could be the test to see who really wins it I know Grant hasn't been putting up, you know, the the crazy scoring performances that he did at the midpoint of the year, but he still has such a huge role in our offense. He's dishing the rock right now at an, uh, a high rate. He's still such a fun player to watch when he's clicking on all cylinders. He's 15 points voice. and 11 assists in that first game. I mean, he's just a stud. I guess you know me. Yeah. 
I mean, it's going to be so cool to see just who really comes out on top. And I'm excited to see how Derek Alston performs because he's an intriguing player. He is a really, really sound, fundamental player, knows what he's capable of. He's just kind of like, he's one of those guys like, I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to say he's an effortless scorer, but like as the game goes on, you kind of look up at the box score and you're like, oh, Derek Alston ended the game with like 23. Didn't really feel that way, but... You know, he knows how to get get his points. He's he's a bucket. Yeah, and yeah, he is an effortless scorer, and that's what makes it hard to guard him. Man, he, as you mentioned, he is lengthy. He is a tough player to defend. And there, I mean, he can shoot the ball at will. Um, he's a fierce slasher when he attacks the rim. He tries to hammer everything home like it's his last. It's going to be his last dunk. Um, because he's he's like he's super. He's not he, he doesn't look like the biggest guy, but he's a strong player. And so I wonder I just wonder how Nevada tries to counter that just with all the other threats that Boise State has and Boise State defensively, they're probably the best they're probably up there with Utah State and San Diego State as the best defensive teams in the conference and Colorado State too, for that matter. Yeah. I mean I, I have some hope. You know, I have a lot of hope in this team after the showing they had against SDSU, just how tight knit and competitive both of those games were. So I think we're going to play up to our competition. I just really think, you know, when it comes down to it, are we going to be able to close again? And maybe that's what it's going to come down to because I don't really see many blowouts in our favor or in Boise State's favor for that matter. I really do think this team plays so hard on both ends of the floor, you're going to get our best effort. So can we just find those timely baskets, get those timely stops to pull out some serious serious upset victories to really help us clinch a top five seed yeah boise state's averaging 82.2 points a game in conference play which leads the conference by a large margin elite yeah they get to the free throw line a lot they're pretty good at shooting the three ball they're shooting 35 percent in conference play they have four double digit scores in Derek alston who's averaging 16 and a half points a game abu kijab who's averaging 13 and a half points a game Marcus Schaefer, who's averaging 13.8 points per game, and Rage Dennis, who's averaging 10.5 points a game. And that's not even counting Max Rice, who's coming off the bench and lighting the roof on fire with his uh, deep three-point shooting. He's averaging 8 a game. This team is deep, like you said. Super deep. <laughs> that team is, wow. I mean, you got high-level scores all over the place. It's going to be interesting to see how Nevada defends that. Yeah, Alston's making... Two, and there's also a lot of three-point shooting threats from outside, as I mentioned, Rice. But Schaefer's averaging 1.7 three-point makes a game, and Alston leads the team in 2.2 three-point makes a game. They're all shooting above 35%. Schaefer and Rice are shooting over 40%. So a lot of threats. Oh, definitely. No, it's going to be interesting to see how Nevada responds. We're going to need it. What do you think? Do you think Nevada – what's your prediction for this weekend? I'm going to go with the split. You're going to go with the split? Wow. I'm confident. I'm riding high. I think we're going to fall the first game, win the second game. Okay. All right. How do you think you have any predictions going on right now? Um, I don't think Nevada wins either of these two games. That hurt. But I understand. I completely understand. I just think just because of how good defensively this team is, we're going to need Grant to step up. Desmond Cambridge, who's been great all season, had seven points. Hopefully he can have a bounce-back performance. Against you against Boise State this weekend, Nevada will probably need Zane Meeks 
and Warren Washington to, to put together big contributions. I just, I don't know. I, I have to, I have a, this team is very good defensively. And they're an electric offensive team. And there's been times this season where Nevada's not been out of loop defensively, but when teams start making threes, it all just kind of like falls apart. Um, as we saw against Wyoming, and of course, as we saw against San Francisco at the beginning of the year. I mean, Nevada shoot is them, a shoot themselves out of a slump in a way. It's not always the best way to go about it. But also, just the like the three point line defensively. I mean, Nevada has been a capable defensive team for the most part, and we've seen stints, especially against like San Diego State, who's one of the best three point shooting teams in the conference, and they were the best at the time. Nevada did a great job defending the three point line and kind of forcing players like uh, Nathan Mensa to beat you. I don't know if that it. I don't know if that same, that same formula is going to have to work again. Probably, for you for Boise State to beat you. But then again, Boise State doesn't shoot as many threes as San Diego State does, and so they're they're used to pounding the rock inside, and they lead the conference in two point makes a game, or points or baskets per game inside the arc, in conference play. Yeah. So. No, they're legit. Yeah, Nevada's going to have to protect the paint. I don't know if that's going to open up three. I don't know what's going to happen, but Nevada's just going to have to find a way to get it done on both sides. I think they're going to be competitive games. I don't really – I don't anticipate a blowout coming, but, again, it's been a lot of peaks and valleys with this team this year, and I'm – I don't want to be that guy, but I, don't, I expect a valley this weekend. I could be super dumb, and I hope the team is listening to this right now. One, give us a five-star rating, and two – I want them to use it as motivation, uh, my dumb words, to inspire a victory. Love the hard-hitting analysis there. <laughs> I'm with you there, though. I, I could, I completely see why the odds are stacked against Nevada in a lot of ways. But I just seeing how well we played against UNL, V, and I, I just Same. think that SDSU. Yeah, I'm sorry, gotta throw it. Eight straight, baby. Sorry. Um, just seeing how we performed against SDSU, like that high-level competition, just being a possession away, literally a possession away from winning a ball game. I, I really think Nevada is at least able to squeak away one of these, and we need it at this point. So, you know, take all the statistics and throw them out in some aspects. Again, take everything I say. Yeah. And take everything. Hey, same here. Same here. So it'll just be interesting to see, and I'm certainly excited. Boise State's 14-2, and 10-1 and in conference play. Game 1 is going to be tomorrow night. We're recording this on Thursday, so Game 1 will be Friday night at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. And then I don't know why I don't know why the schedule is this way, but they're playing on Super Bowl Sunday at 1 p.m. Great. <laughs> um, I just, like, why? <laughs> Boo. I don't know. But it's okay. I mean, at least it doesn't conflict with the game. Yeah, good point there. So it's but like still. fans could just watch Nevada basketball hopefully win and then transition right into Super Bowl Sunday. It's a good afternoon for them. I don't think they'll hate that that much. Yeah, that could be a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to touch on? No, sir. I think we got it. I'm going to ask you this again. Super Bowl predictions. All right, no, 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 no. Hold on. I want to. I'm not. I'll let you think about that a little bit. I want to ask your prediction for this final stretch of eight games. What do you think the projected record is going to be? Five and three. That's wow. that's bold, but that's really bold. Bold. Who but, are those five wins coming against? 
think we're going to. Or I should say, who are the three losses coming against? Utah State. I think Utah State, Boise State, and Colorado State. You just think we're going to split each of those three? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Confident. Wow. Confident. I'm just riding high right now. Could be a Thursday. Thursday is one of my favorite days of the week. That's a that's Fun an interesting. fact with Isaiah. But, yeah, that's um, an interesting. Yeah. A little interesting take. Yeah. You have a, a Super Bowl prediction? Tampa uh, Bay is going to win. I'm going to go Tampa Bay. Thir- wow, you're changing your yeah. prediction from last yeah. week. 30, what, was your, what was your score last week? I, can't uh, I think I had 34-31 no. Kansas City. No, it wasn't that. that was it 31-23 Kansas City? Does that sound more like it? Um, That sounds close, but yeah. Wow. I'm going to go Tampa Bay 31. No, I'm going to go Tampa Bay 34, Kansas City 31. Wow. Prediction. Don't bet against Tom. Final answer. All right. All right. Edging yourself a little bit and splitting in two weeks. I'm sticking with my Kansas City. I'm going to go this week. I'm going to go 31-28. Um, I think mine was 28-24 last week. But I'm going 31-28. Uh, but again, I don't want to bet against Tom. I don't want to bet against Tom. I'm not a Tom Brady hater like the majority of the public is. Um, I have nothing against the Patriots. A lot of people do. But I'm going 31-28, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. Back-to-back, repeating um, over Tom Brady. I think it'll be a passing of the torch for the greatness of Tom Brady passing the torch to Patrick Mahomes. I think it's could I think it could be like a level like competitively similar to what we saw in the 2018 AFC Championship game between the two teams. That was one of like one of the best playoff games that I watched in at least recent memory. That was a really good game. Yeah, they were I think what was it? D where they were one D four offsides away from yeah. uh or the Kansas City was one D four offsides away from winning that game. Fun fact, you know where D Ford is playing now? San Francisco. Good job. I hope Kansas City wins, but a part of me just thinks, oh boy. But then again, don't listen to anything I say. At all. So are we saying that, like, the Detroit Lions are going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, Jerry Goff all the way, baby. (laughs) (laughs) We got Rams fan Isaiah in the building. Hey, man, got to stick to your alliances with your former players. You got got Matty Stafford coming in the building. Matty, Matty Ice. That's Matt Ryan. Whoops. Matty Snapback. <laughs> I did not come up with that. I wish I did, but I, I didn't. That's a good one. I kind of like that Matty Snapback. Yeah, he, he'll rock it. Every time I refer to Matt Stafford from now on, I'll be like Matty Snapback. Matty Snapback. Uh, then you'll get the Colin Coward backwards hat kind of guy. I'm backwards. He's a backwards hat kind of guy. Oh my gosh! Stupid analogy. <laughs> yeah. A reminder that Nevada men's basketball will be playing on Friday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Or Friday, they will be playing at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, and then Sunday, they'll be playing at 1 p.m. prior to the Super Bowl on Fox Sports 1, and then women's basketball will be playing at 1 p.m. on Friday, and then 11 a.m. on Super Bowl Sunday, or just Sunday. (laughs) And then Nevada also will have women's volleyball playing this weekend. Um, They will be playing their first set of games this season, so we have a new sport to cover. 
they will be playing on Friday and Saturday, Friday at 1 p.m. and Saturday at noon against New Mexico. Uh, 